face of God. And there's the heart of the, of the Father, the love of the children. And in, and in the children, I, I love to talk to them and speak to them because I see the kingdom. We need to understand the kingdom. Jesus said that the kin, we, <clears throat> unless we become like a, child, like a child, we don't understand the kingdom of God. And there's a beautiful faith that they have in God. Complete trust. I love that. And, uh, but anyways, let's get to business. <laughs> Pottery. What clay? What in the world is clay doing in front of in a, in a church? You might say, never had a sermon like this. Well, it's interesting how the Lord speaks. Uh, the Bible says that that um, in Psalms 19 that the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. And you go, well, stars speak. If you read on, it says, and there's no place where their voice is not heard. There's no language. There's no people. There's no culture. So when God created the heavens and the earth, at the very sound of his voice, when matter existed at that very moment, there was something that science has taught us and shown us that the Bible has been speaking of all the time. The glory of the Lord is in the heavens. It's in everything that he creates. Because when the very when we break down what exists, the very smallest particles, atoms, uh, electrons, neutrons, and protons spin. They spin around the atom. Everything is made up of that. The galaxies spin around the sun. Our galaxy spins around the sun. Pots spin on a wheel. <laughs> but you know, one of the words for rejoice means to spin. And at the very breath of God, he created, when he created man and he breathed into us, we became a living soul. That breath, that song of the Lord is in our hearts. And that's why to dance, to celebrate, to sing. And often I love to see when, in Israel when they have their holy days and you see them in the big circle and they're dancing around and holding hands and they're spinning. Why? God made, that's what we were made to do. Our cells are spinning. Our hearts spin. The song of the Lord causes us to rejoice because His breath, His life is in us. And He has given everything that exists a song. The song of the Lord. That's why David said, You've taken my feet from the miry clay and you've set me upon a rock. And I think two verses later, And you gave me a song. Isn't that incredible? And that's why David could conquer Goliath. And in that task, he was just a pizza delivery boy. I mean, bread and cheese. I mean, that's pizza anywhere, right? <laughs> you know. So dad said, hey, bring some cheese and breads to the boys. Of the, you know, my boys are in the, in, in the army here, and they, they're going to need some, some uh, healthy food and good home-cooked bread and cheese, hot dog. I'm from, uh, spent about uh, 12, 14 years in Wisconsin, and cheese, hallelujah, is, <laughs> you know, that's the nectar of the gods. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry, a little sidetracked there. But you know what? Uh, what was he doing? He was taking care of sheep. And God says, and the Lord really spoke through his dad. Says, "I got job. You need to have a job to have an errand for you to go run." But what would he do in the nights? When we read the scriptures, the Psalms, how he would in the night watches he would sing unto the Lord. He would meditate on God's laws. And the Psalms were written. Probably the beginning of half of the Psalms, he began singing in the night with his with his harp, putting the sheep to sleep. He learned to worship God. He was a worshiper. So when he got in the presence of that monstrous <laughs> giant Goliath and he's cursing the God, he didn't even have to look at him. The soldiers are saying, do you see how big he was? He said, I don't care how big he is. He's a target you can't miss. <laughs> he's so darn big. And, but he's cursing the God of Israel. Who is this crazy idiot, you know, mocking the God of Israel? God delivered me from the bear and the lion. And do you know what? When we're faithful in the quiet place. See, no one saw David kill a lion. 
or a bear. No one saw that because he was busy taking care of the sheep and just worshiping. He was a worshiper. He was a worshiper. But God trusted him. He learned the faithfulness of God where no one saw him so God could trust him with the Goliath before the eyes of man to, to, to slay. Well, I'm off the subject here. Back to clay. Um, <clears throat> In the Bible, there's over 22 times uh, clay is mentioned, uh, 32, 33 times. 22 times potters are mentioned, and 132 times clay is mentioned. So that language is throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And I talked a little bit about creation, uh, and w- but when God made man, he made us from the dust of the earth, not dirt, from dust. That's what clay is, the very finest particles. But today we're going to look at, I'm going to read a verse, and, and I don't know how the Lord, you know, thinks. <laughs> He's God, and His ways are, I'm not even going to th- go there, <laughs> are way above my ways. But one day he, said to, he called one of his prophets, and he said, go to the potter's house. We're not going to have devotions, you know, reading the scrolls of Scripture. Go to the potter's house. And it says in the Hebrew there, I will give you my words. And as he watched the potter working, suddenly God began to speak. And we find that in chapter 18, verse 6. And he says, O Israel, can I not do with you as the potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hands, O house of Israel. So house of Israel means ruled by God. Everyone that has submitted to Jesus, that have given their hearts to him, we're ruled by him. We're his people. The Bible in Romans says we're grafted into the vine. We're spiritual Israel by faith. All of the inheritance of Israel is are ours. And that's, that's a wonderful place to be. And so today we're going to look at what does it mean to be in the hands of the potter. And so uh, this is a wedging table. And uh, now I want to just share one short thing. There are often, uh, many of you know what an allegory is, that, that there are symbols that, that say one thing, but they mean, like the parables. Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God isn't uh, a mustard seed that grows really big. <laughs> the kingdom of God isn't a tree, really. <laughs> but he's using an, an analogy, something we understand. So today, as we look at clay, uh, we're not going to look at the journey from... from uh, it's purification until it's fired. Let's not look at the path, but let's look at events. And we're going to see what God uses to shape us, some of the things that are used to form us. And so um, we talked a little bit about its origin. Well, we all already know a lot about who we are. We're sinners, all of us, and we need a Savior. And clay, a little bit of noise, apologize for that. Clay is... Sinful. <laughs> in nature, there's all kinds of impurities in clay. Potter knows that, so he knows exactly how to remove all of those impurities and make it ready to be shaped. And after the impurities are removed and the clay is ready to be shaped and it's been sitting for a while, aging, um, it's been separated from... Oh, I'm going to back up a second. This is probably this is a factory today in Italy producing clay very much like what Jeremiah may have seen. The next slide we'll see Dad. Now they didn't have a radio there, I'm sure. They probably made their own music. <laughs> they weren't playing Jeremiah was a bullfrog either. <laughs> I'm sure of that. But we'll see him loading the kiln and Dad helping him or Grandpa helping him a little later. But back to clay again. Now, this is a wedging board, and after the clay has been purified, and there's so many beautiful symbols in that purification, water is the main agent that breaks down clay and separates all those impurities, like the blood of Christ that was shed. Uh, God sent His Son to die for us, and it's His blood that cleanses us from sin. There was a sacrifice made for us. And so... But even after that uh, process in clay, there are things added to that clay. It's been purified just as Christ purified us when we receive Christ. But he doesn't leave us in that state. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And because God is a holy God and it can have nothing standing before him because he's holy, he says, I have a Holy Spirit 
Here, my son, give them my spirit. So he is, I mean, that, sometimes that just, my mind cannot even wrap around the Holy Spirit, holy, the holy part of God. He says, here, come and live in their hearts, tabernacle in them. And we carry something holy in us. That's why we can come boldly before the throne of grace. We can come before a holy God to dad and say, oh, son, come, come on in, come on in. I've been thinking about you. What's, what, what? We're going to have a great day today. I have a great day for you today. I have wonderful things that I'm going to speak. I'm going to use you today because you're one of my chosen vessels. You're the son of my delight. I see my son in you, and he's wonderful in you. That that scenario, my mind just goes like a tilt, (laughs) like a pinball machine. I just can hardly take that in. It's wonderful. So after salvation comes to us, we begin to grow in the Lord. The clay is going to end up here on the wedging table. And this is called wedging. There we go, Bessie. Come on there. There we go. There. Now, if you notice, I started out, it was real stiff. And, uh, but as I began... T- to rock into the clay, that's called wedging, I, I got into a rhythm. And that rhythm uh, that I, I liken it to, where it says in Romans, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's a, that doesn't happen automatically. As wonderful as I'm sure Rob is as a Bible teacher, if we just went to church, maybe we went twice a week. That wouldn't renew our mind. It didn't matter who we had as a Bible teacher. See, we have, when that Holy Spirit comes in, the Bible talks about the spirit man. We have a new man inside. And you know what? If we only fed ourselves twice a week, even if we really porked out, it, it, just, wouldn't, it just wouldn't be enough. It really wouldn't. We, we would end up rather... Uh, anemic and and not very strong to really we would be susceptible to many many sicknesses and things because our body needs more food than that and in the same way the renewing of the mind doesn't just happen on Sunday and if we go to a midweek service and so the renewing of the mind is when we take the discipline of taking a little bit of time each day we read God's word we we pray we get in his presence and so there's a there's an environment that clay must stay in Did you notice I took it out of a bag, a plastic bag? That keeps this clay in a moisture environment all the time. And God desires us to stay in a moisture environment. And that moisture environment is representative in a couple things. One is uh, the water is a representative of the Holy Spirit. And uh, that environment is something with us. But often... When we're in the, in the church among brothers and sisters, there's a moisture, there's a presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. So he's here. Could I feel him in worship this morning? It was wonderful. I was drinking some sweet water there. Cold, sweet water. It was nice. And so, um, but the, the discipline of renewing our mind is something that we, it's not natural to us and it, and and uh, we need to learn to do that, to take some time each day and to allow our minds to be renewed. And if we don't do that, because there's two things that, the, that Romans says. Either we are being squeezed into the, what the world is like, being conformed to the world, or transformed. And so if we read God's Word, and God's Word is so connected to that, you cannot separ- separate that from God's Word. Jesus says, my, my Word is... I am the bread of life, and I am true drink. If you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. In fact, you, and, and they, they live in a desert, okay? Israel is in a pretty, it's much like Tucson in, in climate, very dry, very hot. And to say that, oh, you know, guys, we live in a desert, but if you drink of this water, not what's in the well, 
But if you drink of what I have to give you, you'll never thirst again and you'll become a river. I know, guys, we live in the desert, but you will become a river. Isn't that incredible? That it will pour forth and it will be drink and a blessing. And, and keep that in the back of your mind, a drink, a drink, that we will become a drink and a river. And, and, and so we'll see that later as we look down here. But the Word of God, the Bible says, is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder. And it reveals the intent of the heart. Hello. Hmm. Wow, nice and clean, and he's ready to go. So I'm going to wedge just a little bit, and we'll go to the we'll go to the to the wheel. Say hello to your brother. (laughs) Now, when we were on the wedging table, you were talking about the clay, the wheel. Today's the day. Going to start shaping. Are you ready? There. See, that didn't hurt, did it? Now, the first step, this is called throwing. And notice the clay is just really kind of dancing around the wheel there. It's a little, he's unfamiliar with the wheel. And I have to get him lined up so there's no more wobbles. Or I'll tear that, I'll tear it right off the wheel. And so we're going to really get intimate. We're going to get acquainted with each other. And water, see, is like the Holy Spirit. This is very important. If I don't use water, it'll stick to my hands and I'll tear it off. And we are God's creation. And His breath is in us. And as we spin, as we begin to worship Him and enjoy Him and rejoice in Him and relax and trust Him, He begins to shape us. But if I stop the wheel, I can't do anything now with this clay to shape it when it's sitting still. So worship is always a part of of the believer's life. You don't have to be a great voice. He says make a joyful noise. A lot of people, we can all make noise. (laughs) We hear them at football games screaming and hollering. And so we all know how to make noise. And God is always looking at the heart. And see, as, as I've, I've had to apply pressure, I've had to push on the clay. Uh, and it's been yielding to me. See, that wasn't so bad, was it? And as we, as we find God's will for our life, we do that as we love others, as we try to express love to others. It's in, it's in that activity of loving others. You can't fail. I mean, I've tried many things as I've grown up to f- find what my gift was and f- figured out what really comes as natural as breathing and is really effective. That's a part of God's will and His gifts for me. But the potter and the clay, we find that out together. That's something that we discover together as he's allowing the hands of the Lord to be upon him. And in, and in beginning to love others at times, it's difficult. People uh, aren't always kind. <laughs> and sometimes some are more difficult than others. And often sometimes the people that rub us the wrong way have the same thing in us. That's, that there's something in us that's exactly the same. And we're going, I don't like that. <laughs> and, but the neat thing is, as I was saying, we're often in a, we're in a family. 
And the Lord uses a tool. Now, there's, there's some clay down here that's just, it's not coming into, in, into alignment. So I have a little tool. And, and in just a moment here, we'll cut that away. There we go. And even though this part of the clay wouldn't line up, I, I wasn't screaming and mad. I'd say, well, now listen, you turkey, would you just hold still? I mean, come on, get move, move now. Get now, listen here. You know, you know. I was very careful, and I took that tool very quietly, and I knew about that. And he had said, I can't handle this part. It's not working right, Lord. I need help. That's why we have pastors and elders, and and older Christians that help us. They're like that tool that cut away that stuff from our past that we can't, sometimes we, it sticks to us and it gets in the way. But God is faithful. Now the opening of the pot, this is called opening. And, uh, you know, it kind of comes, I love the, uh, where David said, Lord, search my heart and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of righteousness. So as David invited the, the Lord in, the potter in, he doesn't force his way in. He, he's patient and waits for us to say, Lord, would you examine my heart? Would, would you look inside? Because I want to be pleasing to you. If I got junk inside, I don't want to give that away to anyone. They don't want my junk. I don't even like my junk. So would you take it, Lord? And he's saying, oh, sure, son. <laughs> no problem. See, that didn't hurt, did it? Now the throwing process um, is while the clay is spinning, of course, and there's one hand on the outside and one hand on the inside, and I'm squeezing the pot. And it rise Now, throwing, uh, this is called throwing, and it, and it came from out of the late 17th century. It means to shape while spinning. And carpenters and potters use the word. If you've ever worked on a wood lathe, you, you were a thrower of wood. So you would carve spinning wood. But later in the 19th century, potters, it became our term. <laughs> so we throw pots. Now, even though there's a hand on the outside, the pressure is always on the outside. But the shaping of the pot is on the inside. And like it says in Philippians, it's God that works in you to will and to do of his pleasure. And do you see this little pink spot right there on my finger? That's all that I'm using to shape that pot on the inside. Just that little tip of my finger. And you know, Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the, by the finger of God, then the kingdom is among you. And you know, happily for that young man that was tormented, he didn't, he, Jesus could have said, boy, by my right hand, by my right hand, I can punch that demon right out of you. No, by my finger. Did you notice I gently was shaping from the inside with just a finger? God will shape your heart with just his finger. He doesn't hammer you. He doesn't slam you. He doesn't scream at you. He loves you. So he's gentle, and he works inside, and he begins to draw the shape of Jesus in you for others to see. And I love the verse. Like I was saying, the pressure comes from the outside. And the Bible says, uh, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And what is it that overcomes the world? Our faith. As we trust and we yield to the potter. And when we're spinning around and we, it seems like we're getting dizzy, we're going, oh, Lord, but I've got some bills to pay and I'm a little behind. Well, I said I, I promised I would take care of you, that I'll provide for you. And don't look at the circumstances. You'll just get dizzy. But look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. So we keep our eyes on the Lord. Even in the dark times, even in the hard times, He's there and He's always faithful. And He comes through.
Remember when we were reading about my servant David? And David said, Lord, would you enlarge my heart? And we were talking about that, and you were almost afraid to ask me. But I'm going to enlarge your heart. Because you've been faithful with that little men's group, that Bible study. And you used to dream about what it would be like someday to go to Peru and help the missionaries there to build them a nice house because the people are so poor and they have so little. And so today I'm going to I'm going to begin to fulfill that. And out of that little study, there's going to be some men that are going to come together. That, And as you share your desire and your, your vision to be a blessing to these people, it's going to warm their hearts. And they're going to desire to do the same thing. So now I'm going to pour you out into the hearts of others. And you're going to be a great blessing. That was a skinny little pot, wasn't it? And if we'll give the Lord what we have in our hands, He can multiply that. He can enlarge our hearts. Those dreams that, that are in us, He put in us. They're His dreams. And He's waiting for us to say, Lord, would you? He's saying, I've been waiting. Sure, let's go. And he is able to do exceeding abundantly more than we can ask or think. That's one of, one of our favorite verses. And God, we found that God has done that over and over again in our lives. He's I love it when the Lord surprises. He shows up and surprises us. Well, let's go to the next slide. <clears throat> and this is Big Bear Christian Center. You might say, oh boy, this guy fell off a turnip truck here. No. <clears throat> Notice how the pots are stacked on top of each other. All the way to the very top of the kiln. And the, the, the potter never just fires one pot by itself. The Bible says that uh, all are seasoned with fire in Mark nine forty nine. It's an interesting verse. We think of seasoning as being salt. And in that passage he talks about salt, but... It, He's, he also separates it and says, we are all seasoned with fire. Isn't that interesting? And, and Peter says, why are you surprised by fiery trials that come like they're a strange thing? See, they're not. A part, if a pot is going to become something beautiful and useful, it has to go through the kiln. It has to go through firing. And there's a purpose in that. Potter doesn't say, well, you've been really a cantankerous thing. You're going in the kiln, and I'm going to burn it out of you. Got that? Don't answer. <laughs> you know, that's not the heart of the Father. You know, the potter, the lover of our soul. When we go through the trials of life, there's always a purpose. Just like the, the clay is going to come out of the kiln looking different. And the first time, the firing doesn't look real different too much, other than this was a reddish clay, so it has an orangish color. But if you'll go to the next slide, well, we'll see Grandpa loading up the back. Now, see, uh, this one's kind of orange, and these are kind of a, a yellowish-white, uh, depending on the kind of clay that you have. But they are rather boring. I mean, there's no color there. And there's not, you can't do anything with them. You can't eat out of a bowl like that. Or, or you can't eat out of this. I can't put food in this and cook it. Because it, especially with the first batch, may not be too bad, but you'll get sick from the second batch because the clay will absorb the food, and bacteria grows. Not a good thing. You get botulism, and so uh, f firing is is just a, a part of of our life. The trials that, and the test. If you want a testimony, then you're going to be tested. That's where our testimony comes from. And we've all heard wonderful testimonies of what God has done in people's lives. But they've always come through a test of time. When God answered a prayer, God came through and gave us something, a wonderful surprise. Let's go to the next slide. Now, if I were to paint this pot with latex paint, 
not a good idea for, for baked beans because I'm sure that none of the ladies here in, the, in their uh, cupboard have latex. It glittens latex as a spice. <laughs> I, I guarantee it. <laughs> but if I paint this with a nice paint, it's going to taste like paint. Paint's not designed to go into, a oven, into an oven and heat food up. It, it gives off the flavor of that paint. But glaze. Now, glaze is powdered glass. Now, these pots over here, I'm going to move this for one second if you don't mind. Uh, there we go. Come over close to my children. <laughs> How are you today? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm very attached. See, I, I've spent time. I know every inch of every one of these pieces because I made them all. And they've just what I designed, and they bring me great delight. As, the, as God brings his great delight in you. And so these, these pots, though, these are going to be fired uh, 2,430 degrees, white hot in the kiln. Now, that bisque pot, first firing is called a bisque fire, and it only goes 1,700 degrees. So inside is starting to turn a little orange, starting to glow a little bit. Then we turn it off. But these will fire, uh, and, those, and those, that, those pots will fire probably 12 hours to get to that temperature. But these will go almost 24, sometimes 20. I've had firings about 28 hours. Okay. And with the powdered glass, though, the wonderful thing about glass is that when whatever is put into that container, once it's been sealed with glass, which is glaze, you know, glazed and, and fired, it will never change the flavor of what's put in it. Connecting the dots. When we allow the Holy Spirit and God to take us through the firings of life and we're glazed, we've been dunked in. See, those are, those are like baptized. They've been dunked all the way in. And we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a beauty in us that that glaze produces. And at the peak of temperature... I'm going to back up, by the way. If you'll notice here, the pots don't touch one another in the glaze load. Even though the, the, the kiln is full of pots. You know, you know, many of you are in the kiln now. Period. Because we're all going to end up there at least twice. So I can say that there's probably 15, 20 people, 30 people here are in the kiln right now. It might be a low firing or a high firing uh, that you're going through. Because we're in a family. And see, the kiln is always filled. But back to, the, back to what happens at the peak of temperature. Carbon is entered into the, into the kiln. One, two, three, bingo, there it is. And just like black smoke just comes pouring out of there. Now, my kiln's not that big, so <laughs> they would have the fire department, believe me, at, at my house <laughs> if I had a kiln that big. Um, but I have a smaller kiln, but I still have black smoke coming out of it. And when, I, when I'm watching the firing, these are cones. These started out and they were flat. There we go. You'll be looking at a, at a port that I look into. It's called a porthole. I have one up high and one up low. And I, when these started out flat, I, I keep watching them toward the end of the firing. And when this one bends, I know that we've reached temperature. And, but the firing isn't over because that's when I introduce carbon. I close the flue like a chimney flue and carbon builds up and it seems dark. And this is the type of a trial sometimes when you feel like God's left you somewhere and he's not around and it's a little scary. I know what that's like because I had a heart attack uh, and I had five-way bypass and that went successfully and that's a very common... Um, procedure. It's no, no big deal. But as I was recovering, I, um, you have to squeeze a pillow and cough or my sternum began cracking apart. I didn't know I had osteoporosis in my chest from taking a, a different type of a drug. And um, so they went in to repair my sternum and I got a staph infection. And then everything just went upside down and backwards. My lungs, you know, went south and... Uh, so it was a couple of weeks before they kind of got me 
things working again. And they said, well, we have to go back in. And I went, oh, great. I'm a, you know, uh, they said the staph has gone into the bone causing, causing osteomyelitis, which is a very aggressive bone infection. Oh, and by the way, we're going to remove both of your major pectorals. And we're going to take those and we're going to uh, try to put together some kind of a sternum for you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and during that time of, of recovery, uh, the drugs were really strong. And I woke up after that first one and I went, oh, Jesus, you know, this, let's just, I'm going to go home. <laughs> I don't want to wake up like feel this way again. But during that time of recovery, it was very dark. I couldn't hear his voice I, because of the type of drugs I had for the first time in over 40 years of knowing the Lord. I couldn't sense his presence. It was just like, where are you? And uh, he hadn't left me, though. My mind knew that. But all of my senses were, were deadened from the drugs, and I felt alone. And, uh, but, you know, uh, when we go through trials like that, uh, I, I remember a, a, a trial one time when when I, I felt like I was in the kiln melting. And I said, God, where are you? How come I can't see you? And it was like the Lord uh, felt like I was in the kiln and it was black. And I re remember seeing the, the carbon swirl until I could see the porthole. And I could see his eyes. And he said, Den, we're almost done. And what a comfort to my heart when the Lord you know, brought that revelation to me. I mean... And, and, and a deep, deep trial. And, and it reminded me of God's promises. His, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that is His promise to everyone, every believer, everyone that's given his heart to the Lord. His promise is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Every time God called every one of His prophets or kings to do something mighty, He said, I will be with you. Be, be courageous, for I am with you. And that's, that's what takes us through. But by the way, the carbon, that big cloud, it's like, well, why does, you know, isn't that just a big tease? No, no, no. The carbon is what brings out the beautiful color. When the carbon enters the molten glass, it, it enhances uh, the oxides, the chemical oxides in the glaze and bring out the color. This, this was by, by one of the ports underneath the kiln where, um, where the... Fire comes, they're called uh, burners. This was right by the edge. So right by the burner, oxygen was sneaking in. But the carbon, the cloud was on this side. And just, you know, see the difference? Isn't that beautiful? I mean, are you kidding me? The difference? That's the difference. And, you know, when God led Israel in the wilderness, there was the cloud, remember, and there was the fire. And, you know, when we see a cloud, we don't like a cloud. Who wants to... Because you don't know where the fire is. I don't want to stick my hand in the cloud because I might get burnt. Where's the fire? But, do you know, isn't it interesting that when the temple was built, Solomon's temple, and the Lord came in His glory, He filled the temple with a cloud, the cloud of His glory. And the enemy, when we see the cloud, we're afraid. And God says, don't be afraid. That cloud in the trial is God summoning us, come, come to me, come deeper, come into my presence because you will be changed, ever changed. He wants to reveal his glory in us. The Bible says we have this treasure in jars of clay that the all-surpassing power might be of God and not of man. I've got to come around this side for a moment because this is something that we talked about the wedging table when we study and we think so often that ministry is standing up before the crowd and speaking and, and all of the wonderful things and people saying, praise the Lord. And, and that's important. There are times to be seen and, her, and heard. But there are times sometimes to be seen is more important than to be heard. Jesus, sometimes he came to a town and they just there were, everybody brought the sick out. So he was going to, well, it's time to show what love is like. Because love is always something you can see. It's not something you talk about. It's something you see. And because we're containers of his glory, 
God puts us in the world for the world to see. Because there are people that they're sad and they're hungry and they're thirsty. And they say, well, here, would you like some? There you go. Well, would you like some too? I know that you lost the job, but we're praying for you. And the Lord's right here. And he's saying, don't be afraid. He says, here, drink of what I have. Here's some of my peace. Here's my joy. Drink of me and you'll not drink and you'll not thirst again. And Lord, sometimes the Lord calls us into deep communion with him. Here's a communion cup. And he's saying, this is my blood that was poured out. Drink and remember me. And this is what God calls us to be. Containers of his, of his glory. To be poured out wherever we go. And it doesn't matter how big the pot is. Or how bright or colorful it is or it isn't. Because what's important is what we, what we possess. What's in us. And God is saying, let me pour you out. Let me pour you out all your days. And because our reward... If we're a small cup and we're just giving someone one person at a time a drink, maybe the pastor, he's got a big one. And he's got teaching, encouragement, you know, worship, he's got all kinds. Of, he's got a big pot. But you know what? He has to keep it filled with the Holy Spirit. He has to come to the well and drink and be filled so he can pour out. But he's pouring out to a church. He's pouring out to a community. But you know what? His reward is not in his size, but in his faithfulness. Because if we have a small cup and we're blessing one at a time, our reward is the same. Our reward is by being faithful. So we all have a place. We all have gifts. There's something precious in all of us. There's all these different colors. I I don't make ashtrays. and And I don't believe God does. God does not make throwaway pots. We all have value. We do. We all have value. And we're the work of his hands. And I love that. We are the work of his hands. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus uh, to do good works that he has prepared beforehand. They're already prepared. We just get to do them. We get to be his hands. We get to be his heart of love. We get to bless and touch other people. That's why we're here. And sometimes our pot is full of other stuff. The Lord is saying, I want to fill you, but I'm not going to get in with all that other junk. If you'll empty your pot, if you empty your pot, I'll fill you with my spirit. Because the the filling of the Holy Spirit, there is no entertainment. I think entertainment is is Satan's substitute for Christian joy. When you've experienced Christian joy, there is no, nothing the world has that can even scratch the surface of the joy of the Lord in us. And you know, when there's deep fire, my prayer is that the fire of the Holy Spirit will consume each heart here with a passion of love. And when that, when that, little, when that lady who was the outcast, she was an, considered an unclean woman. And when Jesus, with all the Pharisees and the disciples, were having a great meal and a great time, she sneaks in the back door with a little tiny jar, little tiny jar, insignificant little jar. She pours that perfume over his feet. She begins to wipe his feet. She weeps at his feet because he's loved her so much that He was the only one to forgive her, to say, be clean, be forgiven. And all she had was her inheritance was in a jar of perfume, a year's wages. That's a lot of expense. But for her, it was nothing. She wanted to pour out her best on the Savior. And when the Pharisees and and the, the disciples went, oh, man, Come on, this lady stunk up the whole room. And that's a, a whole year's worth of wages. How many people, how many poor folks could we have paid for and taken good care of with that money? Jesus said, leave her alone. He never said this to a man. He said this to a woman. He said, no, leave her alone. For 
What she has done, she's done unto me. And wheresoever throughout the whole earth, this gospel that you preach is preached. What she has done should be mentioned as a memorial unto her. So what, is she, what was Jesus saying? He's not saying, okay, guys, everybody bring your perfume bottles and pour them out in church. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying this lady has given her very best. She's poured out in love because she loved me so much. She gave all she had and she poured it out lavishly on me. And next to the gospel, loving the Lord with all your heart, there's nothing more precious to God. That song, that spinning that's in us, that long that God wants to awake and release in us, that song that causes the, our love to be expressed in the world that changes. Rome was changed by people that loved God and loved those that were persecuting them more than anyone they had ever seen. And it broke the back of the most powerful military entity at that time in history. God's people, God's servants being tortured to death in, in their death, forgiving and praising God in the midst of that. That broke and won the heart of Rome. And that will win our nation. That will change our, our cities, our towns, as we, with passionate love for God and love for others, let that fire consume our hearts and let the Holy Spirit let us pour out that message of hope and love to our world. We will do, it'll happen. I'd like to close in, in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this time. And God, I just know that there's something that you want to do that only you can do. So Holy Spirit, this morning you come, Lord, because we need you. There is no other God but you. And we have no hope unless you come. Because you are our hope. You are our strength. And you are our song. So God, we pray, sing through us. Sing your song. Heaven, come and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your song of refreshing that we might go out and change our world. And we ask this in Jesus' name. I'd like to just share one, one word that I believe is, is something that is, is for this fellowship. <clears throat> Whoops, I said it back over here. <laughs> ah, here we go. Our little red pot. One day the Lord gave me a vision. Uh, and it, it, was, it was very different than anything that I had experienced at the time. It was in the morning and I, I was doing something, I don't know. But I kind of was imagining seeing myself unloading the kiln. Or I mean, uh, looking into the kiln uh, and trying to find the cones. That, that's really one of the difficult things about firing the kiln. When it gets to that temperature... It's so bright in the kiln. And the pottery absorb, they absorb the brightness of, of the kiln, of the fire. At that temperature, you can't see flames anymore. The radiance of heat makes everything glow. And it's very hard to see those cones. And so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, because I do this all the time, so I'm going, oh, yeah, gee, I've got to get my sunglasses to, to see in there. And it seemed like I blinked my eye. And looking in, and it was orange and brown, and the pots were way out here, and there was none of this radiant brightness. And I went, you know, and I said, Lord, what am I looking at? And he said, this is my church. Baptists are over here. Catholics are over here. The Pentecostals are over here. Lutherans are over here. Episcopalians are over there. Nazarenes are over there. It's dark in the kiln. There's no radiant, there's no radiance. But I'm calling my people in this day to come together. When the pots are packed tight, they absorb the, the heat from one another and they glow brighter than they could ever glow. The pots are separated and God is calling us in this day to come together to love his bride, his beautiful bride. All of the facets of his bride are a beautiful diamond or a beautiful jewel. If we'll come together loving God, worshiping together with one spirit. That is what happened when 60, how many, 150 in the upper room? 120. 
all came together to worship the Lord and, and, to, and to pray before him with one mind, with one heart. Their hearts were in unity. Then the Holy Spirit came. The fire of heaven came. And those people ch- turned the world upside down. And you know what the Lord told me? He said, if my body will come together and worship me, the glory of my presence will make Pentecost look like a Boy Scout camp. That I will release my power and my glory in the earth. And it'll be like a time that the earth has never seen. So his heart is crying out, my people, come together, love one another. And lift me. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men. If we in worship will lift him up, and glorify Him in holiness, and worship Him in holiness, there will be a a glory in the church that we have not seen, and this world has not seen. And it will fulfill fulfill that prophecy. And of the increase of His kingdom, there will be no end. And that day is coming close, when every soul that will be saved will be saved, but it will come. As the, as the beauty of the bride, as we stand forth in holiness in our day and we love others and they see that fire of God in us, that holy fire, that deep, passionate love for God and for others, the world is waiting. And the heart of the Father is saying that they might be one as we are one, that the world might know that my love is in them. Isn't that incredible? I long, I long for that day. But I'm seeing it. I'm beginning to see it. As God sends us from place to place, we're seeing the love of God's bride and people coming together. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. So God, I pray that this would be the song, the new song of this church, that we would come together with the body of Christ in all of its places even in its weakness, we would come together and love you and love you and love one another passionately that the world might see you and know you. We thank you, Lord. I thank you for your ways. I thank you for all you are, all of your glory. And I thank you for the glory that you've given us and the glory that is here because you are among us. And we love you, Lord. We pour our hearts out to you. Fill us and change us, Lord. We desire your glory in us. In Jesus' name, amen.